All right, we're at 1 Corinthians 6 today. 1 Corinthians 6. Normally, when I get to a book like this, I... First Corinthians chapter 10, I said 6, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6. I feel like I try to need to try to get through the text as quick as I can. And uh, it just sounds like in this book, this chapter, oh, you get one verse and it, uh, um, it just kind of put me in a long study and it's just been doing it on every single one of these things. And, and really verse 6 is uh, referenced back to Numbers chapter 11. So really I'm preaching basically the entire book of Numbers chapter 11 today. And, uh, um, and that said, I, I hope it's going to be a blessing. So, so let's look over at 1 Corinthians 10. Let's read verse 6 and we'll pray and get started. The Bible says this. He says, Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Who are they speaking of? We're speaking of the people that were baptized with the baptism of Moses. And where are they now? They're in the wilderness. Okay? And it says that of these people that God was not well pleased, and the first thing that he is dealing with is lust. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, I need your help today as we look into this text just to put forth these truths accurately. God, I pray for those that aren't here today, and I don't know where they are. I pray that you help us have a good attitude despite them not being here. And though, Lord, that they're not here, we still have you, and we still have the Bible, and we still have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I know that you could still speak to the people that want to hear from you today. And God, I, I need your help so they can. Right. Will you help me get out of the way that I could put, put forth these truths accurately to be life-changing? Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so in this context, I always look at it and I think, wow, why, why did God... I have a tendency of just looking over verses, don't you? When I read after lust, I just, you know, after evil things, I didn't really think much of that ever when I read through this text. And then I get into it and start studying... I start thinking that God put this there for a reason. And, and one of the biggest problems with these people that were baptized with the Baptist Moses came out, they, they had a lust problem. And there is no doubt a great amount of trouble happens among us, God's people, because of lust. Look over at James, in James chapter 4. I've seen people get in fights over stuff. I've seen, I've seen churches split over issues like this, over carpet, over weird stuff. But the Bible says uh, in verse 1, and obviously context, we say, well, this is just the Jew. I don't think so. I think this is mankind in general. Because a lot of people, they don't want to hear something, they'll just say, oh, this is just written about the Jews and it's not written about us. And I, honestly, the problem in the last days in, in Revelation is, is that rich people are rich and increased with good that need nothing. So how's that? I think I can end that thought. But why do wars and fightings come among you? The Bible says, come they not hence even of your own lust that war in your members? You lust and you have not, you kill and you desire to have, and you cannot obtain, you fight more, and you have not because you ask not. And so the Bible says there's wars in churches and among God's people because of lust. 
I don't know about you, but I got saved. I, I didn't want the last person I want to fight is is God's people. I, I I really do. I don't want to fight. But what happens? It seems like is that I'm chosen to be a soldier. And, and as you're chosen to be God's soldier, when you say God's word, people get wounded. And, and you can't help that as a, as a servant of God. There is no truth to the fact, however, if you have money, you're godly. But some people, if they think money, they're godly. And, and it's absolutely the opposite. But it doesn't have to be the opposite. But for some reason, money will puff people up. Look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. I want to particularly look at this text. You know, you're going to look at something in the Bible here today. Another text in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that you have the only Bible, if you've got a King James Bible, that has this in it. For some reason, the new Bibles take this out of there and, and instead of saying what this says, it's not in there. First, specifically, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not all kinds of evil. The Bible says it all evil. <laughs> and so that's only in your King James Bible. But it says down at verse 5, is where I want to start, it says, well, look at uh, verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he's proud knowing nothing. But doting about questions and strife of words, where come envying strife, what would it got? Envying. Strifes and words and where comes envy, strife, railings, evil, surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Look at this. Supposing that gain is godliness. Are we not living in, a, in a, even an age where people just think that gain is godliness? Maybe having less sometimes might not be uh, a bad thing. You know what I find when I have left? I'm trusting God more to get me through. And if I give what I have to God, I'm trusting Him to make my dollar stretch further. But the Bible says in the text, verse 7, it says, well, 6, it says that godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We need to realize that. I'm, I'm not carrying anything out of here. We do. I tell you, sometimes I can get my eyes focused and could just get looking at that world. And the fact of the matter is that we leave everything behind. I read four obituaries in the Pine County paper this week, and not one of them had testimony of Jesus. One was a devout Catholic. One lady was a foster care that took care of, I think, 35 children. Not a testimony. And another guy, and I read through it looking for testimonies. When I see them, I want to hear of the testimonies. And we just started finding them. And, and it, it, it almost, see, it keeps me going because I, I, I just think how simple it could be if we could get people to believe the gospel and it could get on their way to heaven instead of verse 7 to think that they can gain something physically. But the Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at verse 8. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Honestly, when it comes down to it, that's really what we want. But I want to be dry with it and clean with that things. <laughs> but look at where the problem is. The problem, again, let me step back and say in verse 9, just because you have stuff then, doesn't mean that somehow you're out of the will of God. I know a lot of people that have a lot of stuff and they're not sinners and, and going what it says in the context. They have, 
they've been resolved to the fact that God gave them what they have and it's all his and they use it for him. <coughs> Verse 9, it says, but they that, what, what's the problem then? But they that will be rich fall into a snare, in a temptation and a snare, and in many foolish and hurtful lusts. They want something that they didn't need, and as a result of it, they they got some fool. Remember what foolishness is? It's not taking thought of God in it. And hurtful. In other words, if they give the lust, it's going to hurt them, which drown men in destruction and perdition. They want something that's going to destroy them. And I, I don't know about you, but I've been to that position many times. So I, I want something and God just doesn't give it to me and I don't get mad at God. I honestly thought for the life of me that God was going to give me a farm setup, And he didn't. Matter of fact, I, I'm further away from one than I've been in a while. And you know, I just started thinking it's because there's other things that need to be done. And, and, and God's called us to these things. And so it says in verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil. If you love it, it's what's going to bring evil in your life. And what are we looking at today? Lusts. So if we follow lust, guess what it does? It turns the heart of men away from God. That's that simple. I want stuff, and my stuff gives me things that I really like. Therefore, because I love it, God's stuff falls on the wayside, whether it's church, ministry, reading my Bibles at night. Stuff can really get in the way, can it? And we've got to be careful of that stuff, that it doesn't turn our heart away from God. Look at 1 John. 1 John. Again, it's not the problem of having it. The problem is loving it or desiring to have it and not have it. We, we have, a, we have as Americans, it doesn't mean that you're sinning against God. I think that needs to be said, and that's, that's very true. But if you let your stuff rule you, you're out of the will of God. If you let your job rule you, you're out of the will of God. You better make sure you, you let God have his way in your life. And that's what we're talking about. First John chapter 2, look down at verse 15, says this. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the... The Father's not in him. You can't love the Father and love the world at the same time. And so what happens? When you start chasing lust, things that God would have you to do fall by the wayside. And that's just the way it goes. And so the Bible says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away. So all the things that we think we want are going to fall apart. That car, that truck I've been looking for, it's going to fall apart. I better make sure I use what I have to serve God. And, and, and here's something to think about. And it's something I think about on a regular basis. I think maybe sometimes God has our cars break down because there might be a mechanic that needs the gospel. There might be a tow truck driver that needs the gospel or a rental company that needed a gospel track or whatever it is or a neighbor or... I'm just telling you, things happen in this life for a reason. And if you live your life with a God awareness, you get away from the fact that, because we all think this, if I get this stuff, I'm going to be happy and I'm never going to have a problem again. I'm going to buy that because I got a, I've had a problem with that. That might not be true. Have you ever prayed and got something and then all of a sudden that thing you got fell apart? The first six-wheeler I bought, I thought, I just got to get this six-wheeler, was one with bushings on the inner bearing. 
Do you know what I did? For the past five years, I rebuilt that thing five times because the chains are in here pulling and the bearings out here and with the brass pushings on the inside, the axle started wobbling. And the next thing you know, you bust the brass pushing out and you hear this when you're in the middle of the woods five miles away from home. <laughs> the chain's jumping on the sprocket and you look inside and the brass is all over the bottom. And it's a good thing that they put bearings on. But you see, my heart was not necessarily in love towards that, but I, if that's all you've got, then you got some problems. When you get this car, you got a car with problems. you got that car with problems. you got a house, and it's got problems. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, the Bible says. And you know what causes us a lot of tribulation? Stuff. It seemed at my dad's house I could always work on something. Whether it's a D7 or a tractor or a, or a, a haying equipment or a, a house that was big that had a lot of upkeep. The bigger house you have, the more you have to work on. Amen. And so personal lust is a temptation to sin against God. You see that? If you are following your personal lust over what God would have you, for you, you are being tempted to go away from, from God's way. And, and wouldn't that be a good idea to try to identify those things in our life so we could avoid it then. It's not wrong to have a car. It's not wrong to have a house or a bathtub or anything. But if it rules you, it is. <laughs> so we've been given an admonition in our text of the Old Testament so we can avoid the error that they made. That's what it says. If you go back in our text, look. He says... He says uh, um, with many of them, God was not well pleased in verse 5. And if we, we look at Romans chapter, uh, I don't know if we did this last week, but Romans chapter 15, verse 4. I've got authority of God under this text to go to the Old Testament and preach on lust, and it's relevant for the church age. So that's for the dispensal. That's just the Jew. No, God gave it to us so we could deal with lust. <laughs> so it says in, in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patient and comfort of the Scriptures might have praise the Lord. Where does my hope come? From His Scripture. And my patience that God's going to help us. You know, I don't know about you, but I kind of felt bad for Moses this week. I've been reading about Moses and how he wanted to go into the promised land and and all he did was just, I mean, the nation is, is just after him. And he just, you rebels, you want more water? And he hits the rock twice. And that was enough for God saying, you're not going in the promised land, Moses. <laughs> and I read two or three times after he goes up to God's God, but I just want to, I don't want to hear it. Finally, God says, Moses, I don't want to hear of it again. You're not going in. Which is a good picture of of law can't get you into the promised land. You need the grace of God. But And maybe Moses probably wasn't thinking that when God told him that, though, you know. We say it's a good picture. It was his life, you know. And a lot of times we, we look in the Bible and we say, well, that's what it is, and that's the way they are, but we're not going to be that way. I'm telling you that you are a son of Adam, too. <laughs> and wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin... So that death passed upon all men for that all of sin. I don't think there's any sin in the Bible that any one of us could get have some trouble with. 
And this particular sin that we're dealing with today is the problem, I think, with most of the body of Christ. It's, it's lust. Lust, here's the title of the message. Lust brings death. Lust of this world brings death. Death to what? Your Christian walk. Your Christian fellowship. Lust is a, get this, it's a longing desire. I'm, I looked this up in a dictionary. I'm so smart. It's a longing desire and eagerness to enjoy the lust of gain. To desire eagerly. If you have an eager desire for things besides God, it's kind of hard to love God. Because it gets in the way, doesn't it? Well, let's look over at Numbers chapter 11. Well, where did they lust? And, and what, it, what about this lust? Numbers in chapter 11. See what we can learn about lust. <clears throat> get there and mark it. I, I should be really, if I was really good, I'd have it marked so I didn't have to turn that. Numbers chapter 11, look at verse 1. And when the people, look at this, complained, you know what lust did? Made people complain about God's provision. That's a big statement. Lust makes you complain about, and, and this is really what it is, God's provision. These people had everything they could have wanted, but they were upset with God. And look at this. The Bible says when the people complain, it displeased God. You know, when I see myself in, the, in our old yearbook that I graduated under, guess, guess what I got in the high school yearbook? I was the biggest complainer. That's what they put me in there as. And I wasn't just that, it was Megan, Luke, and Bill too, but we're the biggest complainers. I'm glad they didn't put me in there alone. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, it shows discontentment with God and His provision. Did God give you everything you need? Did God give you a Bible and fellowship? Can we learn to be thankful? You know? You know what would have been really great if that whole nation, after the baptism of Moses, got in the wilderness and said, God, we want everything you have to give us. Father, just direct us where you go. You're going to the promised land. And forget all the spies and the lying and that God can't take care of them, but just go right in and possess that promised land. And you know what? They decided they were going to complain that they couldn't get it. Oh, we're grasshoppers in their sight. We can't go in there. We're all going to die. Right? Look at Psalms chapter 78. Psalms chapter 78, verse 18. Psalm 78, verse 18 says this. And they tempted God in, in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Oh, we loathe this, this light bread. Give us some quails. It's not good enough. I don't have enough, God. You've got to give me more. Let me interpret it. Know anybody that's there? I've got to have a new car. I've got to have this. I'll never forget it. I, I was sitting there and I was talking to my brother. He just bought a brand new Chevrolet pickup. And my, my car, I'd ridden on a on an old 99 dirt bike. or 90, I forget even what my dirt bike is. But I had ridden all the way down there. And he had this brand new truck. And I said, well, that'd be nice. He goes, I can't live the way that you live. 
And I was like, why? You can't live that way and it's okay for me to do it. But you gotta have that brand new car, right? You gotta have that brand new stuff. And these guys, though, they had bread. Did they not have bread? Yeah. Did they not have something they could get every morning and eat? They had water and guess what? They still were not happy. I don't know about you, but it, it kind of puts me in check when I start looking at everything of I have instead of complaining about what I don't have, you know? That broken appliance, you know, that you have to learn to live with. Sometimes I think I just like to leave something broken for it reminds me that everything could be, but God keeps it going, amen. <laughs> I lived that way quite a few years farming. You've always got something broken on the tractor, but if you can get the work done, you're okay, you know? And in the context here, it says that, that you know, it displeases the Lord. Verse 18, it says, and it, they tempted God. Verse 19, and they spake against God and said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can he? Yeah, he could. What was the problem? They were discontent with how God gave them what they had. I think instead of getting discontent, if you could just start thanking the Lord for what you have, it's going to change your opinion. That's how I start complaining. I remember the way things were when just a, a year or so ago and, and what I put myself through to get us where we're at. And I just start thinking, boy, God, you've just been good to us. And I know that you're good always, but, but we, we, I just want to thank you for helping me and giving me this bread. I'm glad I get the bread from the Word of God every day. What a blessing. Just have fellowship with that Holy Spirit. And you know why lust brings forth dead? Death? Because contentment is something that needs to be learned. That's the second thing about lust. Contentment must be learned. You say, what do I mean? I don't care if you're perfect people in the garden. What? How did the devil get Eve? She saw that the tree was good. It was desired to make one. Why? Well, she got her eye on the one thing she didn't have. What happened? We die as a result of it. Did you see that? Oh, it looks good. Oh, I bet you it help us. I think I'll be wise if I have that thing. And you know what happened as a result of it? Death. A good Christian... Or you want to call him a good Christian. I'm probably the best man that ever lived. Philippians chapter 4. Paul said he's better than any man that ever lived. That's not me saying that. That's Philippians 3. But in Philippians chapter 4, he says this. That best man that ever lived. Down at verse 11, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be, do you see what happened? He learned to be content. Contentment must be learned. And so in your natural state, nothing is enough. Right? I want the best job. I want the best car. I want the best plane. I want the best trip. I want the best. Do you want the best? You know what? Can you be content with what you have? <laughs> That's what Paul said. He said, I Learn to be content. What a blessing. He, verse 12, he says, I know how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Those are two, you know, you better learn to, how to abound in America. 
Do you take your abundance and bless God? As it says, he knows how to do both. He says, everywhere and in all things I am instructed to both be full and to hunger, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which... So you learn to submit himself unto God. You know what I've been telling the Lord? God, I really would like a tractor and a setup to get this farm going if we're staying here. But I think you know better. And if I can't get that right now and my bills aren't being met, you knew how much it was going to cost for us to move. Father, help me go forward and do what I need to do to serve you right now until this stuff gets taken care of. I think all of us want things that we maybe necessarily can't afford. But you, can you be content with what you have? Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews in chapter 13. And verse uh, 5. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He says, let your conversation, that's your manner of living. It's not just talk. It's your talk too. Talk is part of the manner of living. But conversation is your manner of living. Be without covetousness. That's a lust. He says, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor... Can you be content with what you have? So I told the Lord, you haven't given us enough money to fix these vehicles. I'm going to make them work. I saw this week, we went around to make it work, and it didn't help it much. We got a new bearing in the front of the envoy, but it didn't make the four-wheel drive work, you know, and we need that so we can plow the churchyard this winter in our house. And, you know, I said, Lord, I'll, I'll take the next step. Maybe I need to witness somebody down at O'Reilly's. I don't know, but I need to go forward and serve God with what we have. Can you be content? You need to learn to be content. Well, look back at verse, back to Numbers chapter 11. And so the people cried unto Moses, and Moses prayed unto the Lord, verse 2, and the fire was quenched, and he called the name of the place to bear, which, because of the fire of the Lord burnt among them. That's where we they got consumed because it displeased God. Verse 4 says this. It says, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell lusting, fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? They convinced themselves they needed it. You know what a lust is? Lust is convincing yourself you need it. Oh, if I just get that, I'm going to be happy. If I just take that, it's going to be great. If I get this, it's going to be all okay. You know what? It might not be. These people are convinced that it's going to be better if they get themselves a hamburger at, at Quick Trip. <laughs> or whatever it is. Can you be content with the bread? I'm just saying, well, I got food, amen. Well, and, and it's not that I don't like having a Quick Trip burger as much as the next person. I don't need one sent to me in the mail. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that I can be content without it. Look at First Chronicles chapter 16. First Chronicles chapter 16. We're looking at lust. People convince themselves they need something they don't need. I don't. Look at, let's start at verse 7. First Chronicles 16, verse 7 says, Then on that day David delivered 
first this song to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Look at this. Make known his deeds among the people. Could you be making known the deeds of God if you're lusting for something you don't have? Do you see there's a difference? David is thanking God because God did a work in their life, right? A lust is, God, you didn't do that, and I'm not satisfied what you did. And so what should we do? That's the way it should be, is to thank God for what He gave you. Look at 2 Samuel 13 for a minute. 2 Samuel chapter 13. Living in this country, I have never been to a place where my needs haven't been met. Though the government might consider that poorer than poorer. I'm, I'm abused or something. It, it, it probably is not true. A lot of the stuff they believe is not true. 1 Samuel chapter 13, 2 Samuel 13, and verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 13, we'll start right there at verse 1. It says this, And it came to pass after this that Absalom the son of David had a fair sister whose name was Tamar, and Amnon, the son of David, loved her, and Amnon was so vexed that he fell sick for his sister Tamar. I'm not, I'm not going to go through this and disgust you this morning, because this is a really sick passage. But the Bible says in verse 4, He said unto him, Why art thou, being the king's son, lean from day to day? Will thou not tell me? He convinced himself that he needed something that he didn't need. Look down at verse 15. After he got what he wanted, and you can read the wicked story later, verse 15, Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he loved her. And Amnon said, her eyes would be gone. You're going to get your lust and you're going to hate it. And I could teach that whole story just on that point, but the fact of the matter is, is that lust will destroy your life and what you were about it destroyed his testimony. Ends up dying. How many people left God in service to God thinking that they were going to get something and it destroyed them? I'm thinking, anybody can think of like that? Somebody like that in the New Testament? It starts with the D. Venus had forsaken me, having loved this present world. His lust was in the world and not after God. And he left Paul, one of God's best servants. We'll look back at Numbers chapter 11 and get another one out of here. Some points on lust. The first thing I see is this. It'll make you complain about God's provision. And you need to learn contentment. And actually discontent then. And lust is convincing yourself you need something you didn't need. Alright, point 5. Or point 4 out of verse 5. The Bible says this. It says, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlics. But now our soul is tried away and there's nothing at all besides this manna. <laughs> and that's something. When you lust for something, your memory uh, seems to fail you. <laughs> you see that? We have a tendency of only remembering the good about the past. Even if it's bad. We have memory failure that leads to lust. 
What did you have? Well, we had garlic. Yeah, but you were working 16 hours a day to just make some clay and stuff. And, and, and now, now you've got freedom. Oh, but I don't have my garlic. I mean, it sounds a little funny. But they thought they needed this garlic and stuff to live. And the leeks, I don't need, wait, wait, no, no, is that a legume? Is that the beans? No, it's a onion. Onion, oh, well, it says leeks and onions. It's a, another onion. Oh, it's just another flavoring. <laughs> it's a wild onion. Yeah, it's something. I never had a leek, so I just, I, I don't know. But if you look over at Exodus chapter 3, this is the way it really was. Exodus in chapter 3. What's amazing to me is when you get your eyes focused on what you thought that made you so happy you forgot what was making you miserable. Isn't it something? They were absolutely a miserable people looking for redemption and crying to God. Look at the verse, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And they get on the other side of the thing and says, Boy, I really wish they just had their onions and garlic. Isn't it something? What did they forget? The trouble. Did you ever realize that? You look back and you only see the, the good. And it can lead you to lust some more. Oh, I wish I'd just, I could have this or I'd have that. Well, it, it, it didn't make you happy back then. You know what they wanted? Freedom. For something, for some reason, something about freedom, it just makes people weird about thinking about the past. Okay? And, and, and so here, this is what Paul says about the past. Should just get you in Philippians chapter 3. We're going to go look at the best man that ever lived again. I like that because he's a, he's a chief sinner. I guess that makes me worse than even that. Or pretty close to that. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, look what he says down at verse 13. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. You know what would make my house miserable if I sat and mourned the death of my parents and the rejection of my family? I've done it enough and, and realized that it does make the, our, our relationship not the best, I think, because I'm focused on that instead of how God took me out of it. Use my life to serve Him and, and given me a family and we can go forward to serve God together and all you can do is look at the past. And so Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind. I press towards the mark for the prize, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If God thinks that man is good enough for me, I'm going to use it and get to the promised land. Right? That's what happened to baptism of Moses. They're supposed to have a good walk and they got some memory failure. And that memory failure led to lust. I think a lot, I tell you, after you get living this life long enough and you start thinking about the good things, you better start thinking about some of them bad things there too, otherwise you can get your mind messed up. And that's a fact. So I'm just trying to find a marker that works, <laughs> Rebecca. Fever. All right, well maybe this one works. Phone by her bottle is at. <laughs> Listen to that. Numbers 11 and verse 6. Crazy little girl. Sloppy. You play sloppy on the board. Mm hmm. I just want one that works. She shouldn't have took them, really. Numbers chapter 11, verse 6. But now our soul is dried away 
because there's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. They're spoiled. Are you ready? Here's the interpretation. God man, made us miserable by what he gave us. <laughs> he gave us freedom and a hope and a, I'm so miserable because God blessed me. <laughs> That's not true. This one don't work either. I know somebody that's named, uh, uh, well, somebody in the Bible that's named Daniel that could eat pulse instead of the king's meat and be content. And if that's all you're worried about is you don't have a beef steak right now, maybe learn how to cook manna a little bit better because I think bread can be quite tasty. They enjoyed the provision of God but complained about its insufficiency. That, that, that's lust. Yes, thank you, Lord, but it's not good enough. Right? You made me miserable because I didn't have enough God. You took me out of Egypt and my bondage and my trouble and, and misery and, and beatings and, and you know throwing our kids in the river because they didn't want us to multiply and, and, and infanticide and, and, and being abused because the, the Egyptians thought they were better and you made me miserable? It's a weird thing, isn't it? This behavior brings God's judgment. If you can't be content, it'll bring God's judgment every time. Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus 26. Look at verse 26. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse uh, 26. The Bible says this, and when I have broken the staff of your bread, ten women shall bake your bread in one oven, and they shall deliver you the bread again by weight, and ye shall eat and not be satisfied. And if you will not, <clears throat> if you will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me. Verse 28, then I'll walk contrary unto you, also in fury. Look down verse 43. He says this, the land also shall be left to them, and shall enjoy your Sabbath while she lies desolate without them. And they shall accept the punishment of the iniquity because even because they have despised my judgments and because their soul abhorred my statutes. Isn't it weird that you claim to be God's people and follow them and then he made you miserable? Psalms 106. Keep that mark in Numbers 11. Psalms 106. We're, we're coming down the home stretch here. Psalms 106. Verse 23. Psalms 106. In verse 23, he says, Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses' chosen stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Yea, they despised the pleasant land, look, and they believed not his word. Why were they lusting? They didn't believe his word. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness. Do you realize that they're in a wilderness because of lust? You want to look? Here's the picture. And it's the picture God gives us. The baptism of Moses could lead to the promised land, or it could lead to the wilderness where you die following lust. 
that's the picture. You know what lust is? You cannot be satisfied. You know what bothers me? If I go and cook a good meal for my children and they won't even eat it. That's lust. You got too much then. Isaiah 56. You know the Bible says that the eyes of man are never satisfied. Isaiah chapter 56. Look down at verse 10. Isaiah chapter 56 verse 10. The Bible says his watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They're dumb dogs. They cannot bark sleep, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. They are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his gain, for his quarter. Come ye, they say, I will fetch wine and will fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. What do they want? They're blind. They should see, but they can't. And you know what happens as a result of not having your lust fulfilled? Sadness. They're sad because they, they, they find contentment in insufficient things. They're sad. I'm just going to put it sad. Why? Because they thought that would make them happy, and they're not happy. Well, I just get that new car, and then they're not happy. Now they, I've got payments, and I've got insurance, and i got this. I just need that land. Now you've got insurance, and you've got payments on that thing. And Do you really need that? Or do you need your Lord? Can you find contentment in God? Because that really is the answer. If you're lusting, if we're lusting after things that cannot satisfy, the answer is finding contentment in God. You know, I think of, of David getting out of town and Shimei throwing stones at him and Abishai wanting to go take off his, the dead dog's head. I love Abishai, man. But David just out there and found contentment in God. And remember just last week, I think it was in Samuel, that, that uh, they were going to go to the battle with Achish. Remember that? And they got down there and the, people, the Philistines said, you can't go with. And they got back and, and uh, um, Am the Malachites came in and took all the people out of Ziklag that were David's friends' wives and their children and all their flocks. And they spoke of stoning David. And you know where David found contentment? In God. You know what happened? He kept going then. Knowing that God is going to carry him through. I don't know what's going to happen with this area. With all the gospel that's been preached here, with all the efforts to reach people, with the dissatisfaction of some, we've got to find our contentment with God. You want happiness in your life? The joy of the Lord is your strength. God always intended that to be if you gain your lust, because this is what's happening in America, and it's really why I believe America's so blind. If you gain your lust, it's going to blind you. Why are people not in church in America when they could be? Because they have stuff. 
Why, over in the third world countries, are people flocking to Jesus? They don't have the stuff. Look at Revelation chapter 3. I believe this message is right on par for the last days. The church of Laodicea was their problem. It's our problem. And we need to deal with it. Find contentment in God. Revelation chapter 3, look down at verse 17. He's, well, look at 16. Because the, the, so then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of? They got their lust. What happened? And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They had their eyes on the stuff and not on God, and they were deceived. They were blinded because they achieved their lust. Can you be content in Jesus? This is our conclusion. Can you be content in Jesus? Luke chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Whatever he does, will you say, have your own way, Lord? Take it, give it, let it go. What if your life is gone tomorrow? Do you realize it could be? I live with a state thinking that. Sometimes, I, I don't know, we've been sick a lot again. I said, Lord, I'd sure like to see those children grow up, but I want them to see them grow up and serve you. Luke chapter 5, down at verse 11, says this. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and... And there's a difference. <clears throat> now, I just want to say this. Forsaking all doesn't mean you don't take care of what you have. You know, Peter had a wife and a mother-in-law and still a house and took care of them. But what became most important when they met Jesus was Jesus. If, if Jesus is the most important factor in your life, it will drive you into his will. If things are the most important thing, you're going to die in the wilderness. And so the Bible says, and it's our warning today, that we should lust after things as they lusted. We already know the outcome of what following lust does. We, we saw it in Numbers 11. They died. They all died in the wilderness and never got what they really wanted. The garlic and leeks, all that stuff was left behind and they died in the wilderness. <coughs> now get this. During that time, their clothes didn't get old and they had food every day. And they had Moses. They had a, they, they had a, a light to, for night and clouds by day. And God guiding them through that thing. And they died in the wilderness and never did get the true Good walk that Joshua, Jesus, and, and, and get into that promised land had. And that's what God wants. So few find it. But says, near is the way that leadeth unto life. I wonder today, would you follow Jesus? Is he sufficient enough? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I did the best I can with this text. Pray that you just bless the word that was preached. I thank you for being so long-suffering with me though I get by myself many a time today. Father, I pray that you would just help us all make good decisions and follow you and realize that true joy is in you and, and your way in our life. And we ask this in Jesus' name.